0: listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church located in Magnolia Arkansas for more information about our faith and local congregation visit antiocheast.com turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 3 we're going to be back at uh, in the book of Romans hallelujah and we started this message well, last week, I suppose, wasn't it? Last week we started uh, this message and only got two points in, but my introduction was quite lengthy. First of all, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's stand together in reverence to the reading of the Word of God and let's begin reading in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets because in his forbearance god had passed over the sins that were previously committed did demonstrate at this present to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in jesus some of the most exciting verses that really need some drama behind them <laughs> it needs a, a curtain to open and drum rolls and and the whole works and that first phrase but now the righteousness of god because for the last few verses last two three chapters all he's been doing is saying you have no hope you're lost you're a sinner you, you, you cannot save yourself. I don't care if you're a Jew. I don't care if you're a Gentile. I don't care if you're moral. And we know that all you outright heathens can't go to heaven on your good works. None of you can because you all do the same thing. Maybe you're not doing what they do out there with your hands, but you're doing it in your heart. And maybe mama didn't see Maybe the preacher hadn't found out. Or maybe the deacons don't know, but God knows. And by the way, let me tell you something, your preacher knows too. I may not know your specific sin, but I got you pegged. You're a sinner. I had a real good friend of mine come to me one time, and I could tell because some people had started some rumors, said some things about him, and he, he, was, he was worried what I would think of him. It was about his past, and he's worried about what I think about him, and and I told him, I said, you don't worry about that. I said, I've had enough people tell rumors about me. I know I shouldn't be listening about others. And I said, don't worry about it. But he, he was broken over his sin. He was broken over his past. And he started talking to me. And, and I could tell he was fixing to tell me about the truth of what really happened in his past about his sin. And I stopped him. I said, brother, you don't have to tell me you're a sinner. I knew that when I met you. And I'm not a priest You don't have to confess to me. But it was a preacher that was condemning him for his sin and making me bad. Things he did when he was a kid, younger. And I I rarely let people confess to me because when you come into my office, I already know that you're a dirty, rotten sinner because I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. We all sin. And so he's been nailing us for three chapters. And he said, but here's the good news. You can be as righteous as God because he will give you his righteousness. You say, Brother Ron, why don't you buy you a big four-bedroom house with three bathrooms and an office space and and a big old kitchen for you? Why don't you go buy you a big old house or maybe a real expensive nice car because I don't got the money to. (laughs) I don't got the means to do it. But now if you will say, well, here, have my money. Well then I'll do it. <laughs> no. Well that's kind of what happened. We did we we're bankrupt. And it takes righteousness to go to heaven. It takes righteousness righteousness to be reunited with the holy God. And it is God Himself that provides it to you. Amen. And he says, But now here you can be and have the righteousness of God. And then he explains. How you do. Now, listen, I I know we're Baptists. I'm Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. But if you want to act charismatic a little bit about some of this stuff, I don't mind because this is good stuff. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. If you can't be moved by the verses we just read, well, maybe you're tired. But this, this is just awesome stuff. I'll try to control myself. Anyway, the word gospel is used 13 times in 16 chapters of Romans. Of the 13 times the word is used, it appears four times in chapter 1. And one more time in chapter 2, verse 16, where it says, In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, that's good news. Because if he did it according to his justice, you'd go to hell. But he's going to do it according to the gospel. And Paul is ready and eager and excited to preach the gospel. And so he starts. And that's where we start there in uh, verse 1. Or excuse me, verse 21. The key phrase in these verses, by the way, I need to back up, is the phrase, uh, the key phrase in these verses, and I say the key phrase of the whole Bible is found five times in these verses. Five times. And it is the phrase, the righteousness of God. Because that's the key. He said, Brother Ron, how in the world can I go to heaven? You get God's righteousness. You have to be as righteous as God. See, some of you are thinking you're going to heaven because you're more righteous than Brother Will. And and his wife would say amen to that. You think, well, I tell you what, I'm better than those deacons down there, a bunch of hypocrites. I tell you, I'm better than that preacher up there in that pulpit. And my wife would say an amen, and I'd be a second to that motion. And that's what you're doing. You're comparing yourself to me. You're comparing yourself to to, uh, somebody else. You're comparing yourself. Well, I tell you, I'm not like Hitler. But that is not the standard. The standard is God. That's how you got to measure up. Listen to what it says, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law. (laughs) Why? Because you can't keep the law. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the righteousness of God. Now it says the glory, but that's it. That is his righteousness, his glory. It means the same thing. Verse 25 says that he does these things to demonstrate his righteousness. Verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, 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 righteousness. You have none. That's all he is. And he will give it to you. paul said in philippians 3 9 i want to be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in christ jesus christ the righteousness which is from god by faith hallelujah that's a great verse i i I was looking at that verse again philippians 3 9 man that is an awesome verse but let's get into it number one we've already covered this i gotta go quicker than this The righteousness of God can be attained, can be had apart from the law. Hallelujah. It has to be or you'll never get it. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, but by the works, uh, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. That is an awesome verse, too. No flesh is going to be justified by the works of the law. We can't keep the law, therefore we must do something else. And like verses 19 and 20 says, and in Galatians, it says that the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ. You look at the law and say, I'm a liar. I blaspheme God's name. I disobey my parents. I covet. I break all of those, if not with my hands, with my heart. What shall I do? And the law turns you around and points you towards Calvary and says, flee to the cross, Fleet of the Cross, I love that. I'm just going to have to mention again, I'm getting a little happy here. But I love the book, Pilgrim's Progress. I'm telling you, if you haven't read it, you're disobedient because I've told you 15 times to read it. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. You ought to read it. I really strongly recommend that you read that book. And what y'all do, young people, you need to read it right now. It's still a good book for young people. Then you read it when you're, 50. you're a 50-year-old man. And see how it comes alive and how this guy, I don't know how he knew my life, but he wrote all about it. It's something the Bible says this pilgrim who was going towards the cross is going towards this hill where there was a cross that he makes it there. And it's an analogy. You have to look at it. He has this great burden on his back which is sin and he climbs up and he comes up to the cross and when he does, the, the bands upon him break and his burden of sin falls off and it says it rolled down the hill into an empty tomb and was never seen again. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Aren't you glad you've been saved? Number two, not only is it apart from the law, it is achieved by Christ Jesus. It's not that God just willy-nilly, and I'm getting a ahead of myself, but that's okay. God doesn't just willy-nilly save you, does he? He's not like some doting grandfather up there, looks at you and says, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And you say, well, I'm sorry, granddaddy. Well, all right, come on in. No, God deals with us justly. Injustice. Everybody, everybody wants to talk about how loving he is. I tell you what, I, I have stood in a courtroom with a judge that I knew, and he was a loving man, but my friend, he had to exact justice at that moment. And God will exact justice every time. Every time. And so, my friend, you're saved and you get the righteousness of God. Not, listen, it's free to you, but it was expensive and jesus paid for it on the cross jesus took the wrath of god on you so that you wouldn't have to have the wrath of god jesus christ was our propitiation our atonement he redeemed us by his blood as we talked about during this look at this verse 22 says it's through faith in jesus christ verse 24 says in christ jesus and verse 26 again says in jesus He justified us by His grace. He justified us through redemption. He justified us by propitiation, which that word propitiation is a big word, but it's an awesome word. It actually means mercy seat, and it's a place of atonement. It's the place of atonement. And He atoned with His blood for us, and we are justified by His blood. Now, that catches us up. And I mean, spend that much time on that, but I just get all wrapped up. I'm sorry. I get wrapped up in it. The third thing is that this righteousness of God is attained, you can have it through faith. Yeah. Through faith. And by the way, faith alone. Yeah. Faith alone. The word faith and believe are basically the same word. One is a verb, one is a noun. They both come from the root word pistis in the Greek. And they are used, it is used, that word is used, the Greek word is used 60 plus times in the book of Romans. They are used four times. The word faith basically is used four times in our text verse 22 he says it is through faith verse 22 again to all, all to all and on all who believe it's basically the same thing you 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 place your faith and you believe in Jesus verse 25 it is through faith and verse 26 faith in Jesus faith in Jesus now let me tell you something about faith now we hear about it a lot, but a lot of people don't understand what in the world it means. It means simply to believe, to trust in, to rely on, to cling to, to jump into, to, 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 to believe in. It's more than just a head knowledge, it is a commitment. It is I I, I place my hands in, in the I place myself in the nail scarred hands of Christ. I trust in and believe in his sacrifice, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. To save me from my sin it's not just a head knowledge it's something that happens to you it really is something that happens to you but anyway let me tell you something about faith though faith has an object faith always has an object how many of you come on don't lie to me how many of y'all like um, Hallmark movies Hallmark movies. Yeah. All right. rest of you lying. I know you secretly watching. I got friends that make fun of me because I tell them me and my wife, I, I was late because me and my wife was finishing up a Hallmark movie. But all the time... Uh, a lot of times, you know, you've seen some of these love stories, and other way, and they, they just—I believe in true love. Well, how do you? believe? I just believe. You believe? Believe what? How do you believe? I just believe. I believe. I just believe. I believe. And you know what that is—the object of their belief is belief. They just believe, and they think if they believe hard enough, and something will come true. That's just not true. I tell you, let's test it out. Let's all go and get on the pinnacle of this roof, right up here on the outside. And stand there and I want you to believe with all your heart that you can fly and then jump off. <laughs> well, I, Brother Ron, I think if you believe hard enough, you probably could. Really? Where does God say that? He didn't say that anywhere. He didn't say that you can jump off a roof and fly. He didn't promise that anywhere. My friend, faith has an object. Here's the object. I believe in the gospel. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on my behalf. And I believe that because God said, if I will trust in Jesus to save me, he will save me. I'm going to share tomorrow, and I know many of you are going to be at the funeral. You get a little preview. But I went and talked to Miss Marilyn here a few weeks ago, and I just asked her, Miss Marilyn, you do know you're going to heaven? She said, well, yeah, Brother Ron. I, I do, and I said, well, how do you know you're going to heaven? I said, I'm not doubting you. I'd just like to hear your story. She said, well, she said, I, you know, she said, I, I, I can't save myself. I just, I just trust Jesus and believe him. Isn't that what the Bible says you're supposed to do? I can't do anything else. I said, that sounds pretty good to me. That's what the Bible says. I can't save myself. I, I, he's got to save me if I'm saved. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's why she's walking streets of gold today. She trusted in Jesus and in his blood and in his death and his resurrection. Well, Anyway, faith has an object. You know, just just believe and if you believe... No, you've got to believe uh, the old, old story. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Yeah, I'm going to say it again. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. They seem hungering to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing a new, new song, it'll just be the old, old story that I've loved so long. Faith is not rejected. Today, if you have faith in Christ, let me hear, you hear me very plainly. He will save you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved and we get in our little huddles and us theologues we want to discuss and talk about things and we come up and we make salvation so much harder here's the simple fact if you will turn from your sin and turn to god by faith he will save you i was nine years old eight years old when i got saved i had no i propit i would never even heard the word propitiation i'd heard redemption i didn't know what it meant I didn't know a lot of the terms that preacher used up there, but I knew enough and he explained enough that I knew that I was, I was eight years old and I felt like I was the worst sinner in all the world. You remember that? If you don't remember that, something might be wrong. But the weight of sin was upon me. And I heard that preacher say, you know, if you'll come to Jesus, he'll take that burden away. He'll cleanse you from your sin. He'll take your, your way and you come to him. And so I did. Eight-year-old boy, I just simply came and said, that preacher said if I confess my sin and come to you and ask you to save me, you would. And my friend, I was eight years old and I've never been the same since. Not perfect. I am a sinner. But praise God, he's covered those sins with his blood. And he holds them against me no more. Faith has an object and that object is is Jesus Christ and his work on Calvary. Faith is not rejected to all and on all who believe. I don't need your great theological discourse on what faith is. I hear it right there to all, on all who believe. Why is faith not rejected? Look at verse 22 there. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. My friend, every one of you have sinned. If you've just broken one sin, the Bible says you're guilty of all of it. You break one link of the chain, they all fall. You are guilty. You're as guilty as the murderers. You're as guilty as the harlots. You're as guilty as the homosexuals. We are guilty of sin. And God is a eminently holy and righteous God and he requires his righteousness and none of us make it. And he says if we come to him, it makes no difference. It makes no difference. Let me tell you, the receiving of God's righteousness is not based on race, nor on social standing, nor on intellect. By the way, I say race there because that's exactly the problem. That is probably the issue he's talking about there is how much Gentiles were hated by the Jews. And he's saying, no matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, you can be saved. Nor your social standing, nor your intellect, nor on any other standard. But it is based on what sinners ha- what, what a sinner has faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what salvation's based on. What you do with Jesus. Acts 13 39 and by him everyone who believes is justified that's just the, one of the greatest words for salvation there is and I'll get to it at the end of my sermon from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses the law just cannot justify you but faith in Christ justifies you and so therefore faith has the, an object faith will not be rejected by any by God and lastly faith is exclusive though it's not a little bit of faith and a little bit of works. It's all of faith. All of faith. Faith alone. That's what the reformers called it. By faith alone. That's the difference. Oh, oh, listen, there's some religions out there say, yeah, it's by faith plus this. Faith by some work. Faith by some means of merit. Faith by this. Faith by, th- and plus that. No, my friend, it is faith alone. You cannot earn salvation. It is faith alone. Look at what it says there. Verse 21. Apart from the law. You can have the righteousness of God. Now don't get too excited and run up. and uh, You can have the righteousness of God without the law. Yeah. Apart from keeping the law. Because you can't, of course. The word apart means separate from. No, my friend. Only one thing saves and that's faith in the gospel. Fourthly. This righteousness of God is appropriated by grace. (laughs) Amen. Say amen. Amen. It is the righteousness of God that saves. What could you possibly do to earn that? Nothing. It must be given freely by his grace. I hear people all the time, well, I'm going to get to heaven. I I think I'm good enough. Really. Let me tell you something. I have owned three houses in my short lifetime. Everybody say amen, short lifetime. Anyway, I've owned three houses. And I'm going to tell you, God's been very good to me, but I'm going to tell you, some months were leaner than others. And Christian and I, we lived by faith when we were in evangelism for week to week on the love of the churches. Let me tell you something, not every church is as loving as this one. I'll tell you that much. And it is all we could do sometimes to earn and to pay for the house we owned that was on a street that was made of asphalt. How in the world do you think you're going to pay for a house that's on streets of gold? You think God just thinks you're something, don't you? That's it. You think God just thinks you're something, he's just going to give that to you freely. No, my friend. No, my friend, only the righteous get that. And only righteousness can be attained by humbling yourself and falling at his feet and claiming I am a sinner. And unless you give me your righteousness, I'm without hope. Oh, God save me. And he will. Grace, of course, we know it means unmerited favor. Simple, unmerited favor. Favor that God gives you without any merit. We have that across it. God's reaches at Christ's expense. I like that too. Whatever you get saved, it's because God's gracious. In the world of opposites, there is none greater than human works of righteousness and grace. For there is no greater chasm than the one between the holiness of God and your sinfulness. The only thing that can span them is the grace of God that's why the hymn writer wrote nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling I have no other argument I have no other plea it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me five this has always been the plan This has always been, you know how Adam was saved? By faith. You know how Abraham was saved? And we'll get to that in chapter four and five. By faith. You know how David was saved? By faith. How was Noah saved? It says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But I'll tell you how he he got saved. God said, build an ark, it's going to rain and flood the whole world. And, And Noah said, yes, Lord. And he did it. He had faith in God. That's the way God has ever and always saved anybody is by faith. John 5:46 for if you believe Moses you would believe me for he wrote about me. Well what did Moses say? In Genesis 3:15 he wrote and I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is talking about God is saying this the curse that came upon man because of their sin and he is talking to the serpent. He said I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. And of course the serpent was uh, was the devil how that happened? No I don't know I just believe it. He said between your seed and her seed. singular now listen, he shall bruise your head. He. Who's the he? Jesus Christ. And you shall bruise his heel. In other words, what you do to him, although the world looks and says, oh, Satan's in control of this world, isn't it awful what Satan does? Isn't he terrible? I want to tell you something. It's just a bruised heel. Jesus Christ, through his cross, has crushed the head of the serpent, my friend. Don't worry about the things the devil's doing in this world. He's already lost. In this world, Jesus said that he promised, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but you ought to be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. I've got to go on quickly. Moses also wrote in Genesis 3, 21, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now you can disagree with me on this if you want, but I think this is an allusion, and it alludes to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They had made fig leaves and sewed them together probably kind of neat at first but after a while you know what leaves do they dry out they are insufficient to cover your nakedness and God knew it and God killed an animal in the in the in the garden and he made them skins and covered them I think it's an allusion to the the blood of Christ covering our sin but, but we'll talk about that later god told the israelites to take a spotless lamb sacrifice it then in exodus twelve seven, he says to them and they shall take by the way this is moses this is moses and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house on both sides and on the top uh, where they uh, shall eat it in verse 13 Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are and when I see the blood I will pass over you and the and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt This is a symbol and a sign of the spotless lamb to come and will sacrifice that really did forgive sin and really did take away sin. And Isaiah, the prophet said, the prophet, this is foretold by the prophets, Isaiah 53, and this is lengthy. I'm going to do it. I want to read it all. I just I just kept, I'll just put these, I'll just put the no, I'm reading the whole thing. Isaiah 53, verse 3, he, I'll talk about Christ is despised and rejected by men. It's a prophecy of him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's talking spiritually. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, he could have said. We've all gone astray, and we've turned every one of us to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb or silent. So, uh, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He died for the transgression of my people. He was stricken and they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put. He God has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his day in the pleasure of the Lord. Shall prosper in his hand, and he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. What does that mean? That means he rose again. By his by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he rose again, because he poured out his soul into death, and he was numbered with the transgressor transgressors, and he bore the sins of many and made intercession for you. That's what it says, you transgressors yeah the prophets told about it this isn't anything new well a matter of fact second timothy 1 9 says who has saved us god has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which he was given to us in christ jesus before time began Brother On, how long have you been saved? Forever. Forever. It was announced by God. I got to wrap this up. I was going to say, I was smart today. I was going to tell you, I think we'll get finished early, but I didn't. So now (laughs) you're not hopeful. Announced by God. What do I mean by that? Announced by God. Verse 24 says, being justified. Of all the theological terms in the Bible, I think this is my favorite one. My favorite one. I don't know. I think the one I'm talking about usually is my favorite one, but I love this word. The word justified is a legal term. It means to be declared righteous. You're not going to believe this. Y'all are not going to believe this. You're going to think I'm lying. I'm not above it, but I'm not lying, I promise you. Hey, some people don't like me. See, you struck them with dumbness. You, you don't believe that, do you? There are some people who would love to see me do bad, there are some people who'd like to see me go down in flames. There may be some people, I don't know, who wouldn't walk across the road to spit on me if I was on fire. I suppose everybody's got people that just don't like them. I don't know. And I'll be honest with you, some of them maybe because of my foolishness and my sinfulness, maybe they have the right to hate me. I don't know. Nobody has a right to hate, but you know what I'm talking about. But I want to tell you something. When God stands up and speaks of Ron Owen, he declares he's not guilty. He's not guilty. He's mine. So if you hate me, just let me tell you something. I am a child of God. He paid a high price for me and he has redeemed me. And he declares that he loves me. And he's washed me from my sins. He's justified me. This isn't done arbitrarily, by the way. Again, I've got to say this. It is through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God doesn't just get up and say, oh, well, I know you've been bad, but I'm gonna come on in. No, my friend, it was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. The reason God can announce that I am guiltless and that I have been justified is on the basis of the high price and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that bloody Nail pierced cross. It is through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. It is by propitiation, atonement by his blood. Our sin is not just swept under the carpet. It is paid for by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. This is his demonstrated righteousness. This is what it says, demonstrated righteousness. Jesus dying on the cross was demonstrating the righteousness of God. This is how he is just when he is the justifier. How can he be just in declaring Christy Owen guiltless? How can he be just by declaring Brother Jack Long guiltless? They're good people and they're good men, but we know they're sinners. How could God be just? He's just because Jesus Christ paid for Brother Jack's sins. Jesus Christ paid for Christie's sins. Jesus Christ paid for my sins. That's how he's just in doing it. This is how all the Old Testament believers were saved. Look at verse 25. We're almost finished. Stay with me. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. That sounds like God, you know, he just, well, forget it. No, 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 no. This does not mean that he overlooked their sin, but that he was merciful, gracious, patient, and long suffering with them until Jesus came. In other words, he did not, he did not destroy them immediately for their sin. He waited until Jesus paid for their sin to deal with their sin and he did deal with their sin on the cross through Christ two more things and we're gonna go home this is the gospel you know I wrote this all out and I thought why am I doing that I should just read the scripture over but these were my thoughts at the end of studying all this I have sinned, all have sinned, and God is holy. Yet, through the blood of his own precious eternal son, Jesus Christ, he atones for our sin. Being the propitiation, the atonement, the mercy seat through through the shedding of his blood, and in so doing, he provides his righteousness to us, the righteousness, not by our own works of righteousness, but giving it to us freely by his grace through faith in his sacrifice. When we believe in Christ, God declares us not guilty and declares us righteous before him.